Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Over Six Sports Podcast. I am your host, Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, as always, is the man you know and love, the Turf King, Cameron Charlton. What's going on, Cam? So, Burke, on that soundboard of yours, do you have any depressing music, sad music? The Montreal Canadiens are going to go to 0-4 tonight. Things are not good. The oh, Miami I got Dolphins. Something. No, I got, I got something. Okay, I got okay, something for let's you. Let's go. Okay, you ready? Yep. Oh, no, no. Uh, sorry, that's the wrong one. Laughing is what everybody is doing right now at our teams. And that is just straight facts. The Miami Dolphins have lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) Bum, bum, bum. Lastly, I was 4-10 against the spread this past week. Things things are not good. They're not good. I just... I don't know. I don't know where to look from this. I don't know how to look up. I I don't want to watch a hockey game. I have a tough time watching a football game right now. I'm not going to sit here and pretend things are good. The only plus side I have out of this weekend is Tua look like a real quarterback. I will give it that. Other than that, there's I got I got nothing here. Nothing at all. I got I got one for you, and I was going to save this till later, but this I mean we're obviously doing our our NFL Week Six recap. But I got something for you. Just hang tight real quick, all right? I paid my dues Time after time I've done my sentence But committed no crime And bad mistakes For five weeks, six weeks, this guy has picked locks and he finally hit his lock. What a guy. Grinding it out. Cam, how you feeling about finally hitting your lock? I even sweated that one out. Like it wasn't like KC looked horrible in the first half. I thought for sure Washington might win this game, but they did take over. They covered easily, so it was nice to finally hit my lock. I'm not going 0-18, so it's nice to see, and uh, we'll keep going from there. I'm on a one-week one winning streak for locks. I don't know if it can be one yes, streak. Yes, it can. But yes. Well, can so you... we're going for two in a row. Let's go. <laughs> two in a row. You're on an offer. You're on the ultimate cooler. I tweeted out from at over six that you had done it. You had hit your lock. And that was just that was just so good. I was uh, very, very happy to see that for you. And, uh, and hey, it was bound to happen eventually. If you hit the right team enough, it's bound to happen eventually. And it's finally done. Monkey off the back. All right, we can. It was just like that was the that was the highlight of your weekend in terms of football. Because going, we'll we'll look at the records again in a second. I know you mentioned yours. We'll talk about it um, before we get to the NFL. Uh, I do just want to talk a little bit about the NHL. Um, we are kind of, you know, obviously right now we're NFL heavy. There's lots going on, lots to talk about. 
But that being said, the NHL is in full swing. And there's a couple of storylines that uh, I just want to talk about briefly. Um, you know, the first being, and actually before we get to NFL picks too, I also want to talk about some NBA stuff. So we get, we're going to mix it. We're going to mix it in here. Um, so let's talk about, uh, we'll go with your team first. Cam, the Habs are 0-3 to start the year. I saw, and this is kind of Canadian media, is I, I, you know, I saw an article and I saw one about the Leafs too, but it was Habs are 0-2 to start the year. Is it time to press the panic button? And I'm like, in my head, as a normal person, I'm like, yeah, there's 80 games left. Right, I know people want content, but there's 80 games left in the season. They lost another one since then, so they're 0-3. There's 79 games left in the season. Is it time to press the panic button in Montreal? The thing about the panic button in Montreal is if you went into the season, especially with the injuries and everything, all the turnover, expecting what happened at the end of last season, you're hallucinating or you're just so wrong. Montreal came into the season... It wouldn't shock me if they finished top three in the division, and it wouldn't shock me if they missed the playoffs and really aren't that close. You don't have your captain for the entire season, probably for the rest of his career, in Shea Weber. You lose Carey Price for at least 30 days, who is arguably just as important leadership-wise and even more important on the ice. You lost guys who are important in the room like Corey Perry, and then you lose another one of that top four on D and Joel Edmondson who's not playing. You have a ton of turnover everywhere. This team is kind of coming off that high from last year, figuring out a lot of things out. Their entire fourth line's rebuilt. They got a couple other issues like Hoffman, who they picked up to score goals, has been injured the entire year. There's a lot going on here. So is it time to panic? I mean, I guess if you expected them to walk into the season and expect them to be a top team competing with Tampa, yeah, then, yeah, you're probably time to panic. For me, who's a realistic fan... No, this is kind of what I thought could happen. This is kind of the low tier of what I thought could happen. But based on everything I've seen in the offseason, this could happen. They're a really young team still. Even the building blocks they have around them, Caulfield, Suzuki, they haven't looked great to start the year. Does that surprise me? No, not really. Are these still fantastic, skilled players with huge upside? Yep. 100% they are. Yep. Are they having a little hangover off what happened last year and kind of Really, a sophomore jinx, especially for Caulfield? Yeah, for sure. He looks nervous. He looks like he's struggling to handle the puck. None of these things shock me. But again, I'm a realistic fan. You know as much as I do. Montreal, Toronto, in Canada, there's so much media, so oh, many yeah. fans who aren't realistic. And it's overreactions to everything. It's a bubble. So It's a bubble. It's a, it's a media bubble, right? So, yeah. Should we panic a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Like, they definitely aren't going to, I don't think, be the team they were last year. Even if they lose five or six to start the year, can they still end up competing for a wild card spot in this Eastern Conference? Probably, because they can get hot. They showed that last year they can get as hot as any team in the league. Even at the beginning of the year, before the playoffs, during the playoffs, they have a lot there that shows they can get hot. But again, be realistic. This team could finish in the top three in the division, could make a wild card spot, or they can miss the playoffs. But reminded you, Montreal did a lot of good things last year where they have 11 draft picks going into this draft. They didn't mortgage a future at all because they kind of knew this could happen. Your future isn't around Carey Price and Shea Weber anymore. No. It's around Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. And with 11 picks going forward in this draft and a couple other things, you feel okay. 
So if you look at it from that way, they're a middling team in the NHL this year, in my opinion, with upside. So to me, no, it's not time to panic. It's just time to be realistic about where the haves are. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think you nailed it on the head. Put the nail on the head there is, you know, in a sense, you're a journalist. You're a fan and you're also a journalist. You cover, we cover games, we watch games, we talk about games. That's just what we do. And I mean, everybody's going to have a bias to a certain extent, right? That's just, that's natural as a human being. You're going to be more biased to your team. Anytime Toronto plays Montreal, we're not allowed to talk about penalties. You think it's a penalty? I don't think it's a penalty. It is what it is. Like, that's natural, right? But that being said, it, you know, this early in the season, I think it's fair to look at some of the stuff and say, like Caulfield and, and Suzuki and all them, I'm like, whatever, like you're three games in. This is the same judgment that I would then have about the Leafs, right? And I'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, like, I mean, the, the biggest concerns there is, number one is goaltending. So Carey Price is out for a month. Hopefully he comes back after a month. And number two, I mean, I don't think anybody really expected Weber to play this year. It was pretty obvious from the start that he was not going to play. And frankly, he may never play again. Um, but I, I just think my overall summation of the whole situation in terms of both of these teams is that four or five games into the year, it's ridiculous to be saying that you should panic one way or the other. Because if there's if you're in the middle of the season, you go on a seven-game road, you know, losing streak and you win eight games, it's all leagues falling apart, halves falling apart, and or the other side of that coin would be halves on a roll, juggernaut, gonna win. You know what I mean? Like it's just like the overreaction kind of both ways is crazy. Um transitioning that to the Toronto Maple Leafs, um it is is, you know, like you look and say Matthews is out for the first couple games. Currently the Leafs they won two out of their first three uh, they just lost one in overtime, so they're 2-1-1. One, one. Um, they took five points out of eight. Uh, again, this isn't a 50-game season, right? Like, this is an 82-game season. I do want to cut you off there. You touched on Matthews, and I want to ask you one thing. Sure. Does it not concern you at all when yesterday he, he didn't have the best game of his career, clearly? Eight, eight shots, 16 attempts. Go on. Yeah. The biggest question mark, him and Marner do this all the time. Marner... Matthews comes out after the game. He says, yeah, I felt out of gas. I didn't feel like I was in good shape. He came off wrist surgery. How does this impact your cardio, your skating, or anything like this? These are things you just shouldn't say. If it impacted your shot in the face-offs, sure. But you should still be in great shape off wrist surgery. There's no excuse for your cardio and to feel like you couldn't get it done late in the game because you're out of shape. That's solely on you. And Marner does these same comments where it's like, either say something positive or just shut up sometimes. Like you're really going to admit that you just haven't been training hard. Basically is it because with wrist surgery, you could still be skating. You could still be working on your cardio. I think that's fair. Um, I do think that there is like, I, I don't think some of these guys can train as hard if you had surgery on that. And maybe the direction from the medical staff was not to push yourself just to, to not try to re-injure yourself. Like, I don't know, not defending him. I just don't know what the, what the recovery on that would be and like what the, you know, what the physio and everything would be going into that. So I, I don't know. Um, I would agree with you in the sense that, yeah, like you really shouldn't necessarily say that as an excuse, but that being said, like the guy had eight shots and 16 attempts. And frankly, the Leafs probably should have won in overtime. Um, you could also say that the Rangers probably should have won five times in overtime. And so should the Leafs like that, that overtime last night was wild, like absolutely crazy, but like eight shots is nothing to sneeze at though. 
Like it's not like he had a terrible game, but he got the the, the Leafs got the door shut on them. So yeah, no, I'm not I'm not arguing that at all. I'm just saying he said come overtime third period he was exhausted and felt tired, and well, I'm like that shouldn't yeah. be. A, I mean that just shouldn't be how you feel any different than anybody else who's starting. No, and that's fourth yeah. game in the year. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I look at like when I played my first men's league two two weeks ago, like I was exhausted and out of shape this week i was much better right and now i'm definitely not at my peak physical condition that's for sure uh you know most of my time most of my walking this year at the golf course was was counteracted by beers and i'm not a professional athlete but you definitely feel better kind of the second game we'll see if it happens the real thing is that i look at is people that are so concerned about um you know, Matthews, you know, Marner isn't doing anything. Tavares is doing anything. Nylander looks like he's the best player on the team. His deal looks great right now. Uh, is it time to panic? Like, what's the salary cap situation? Because you couldn't call up a goaltender. And I just look at this whole thing. And again, it's nuts that we're even talking about this five games into the season. It's crazy. And I just wanted to bring it up because I'm like, this is so stupid. Like, let's just all take a fucking step back. It's not 56 games. You don't have to win. 50% of your games in three months or two months. Like it's just not realistic. This is more, this is not a sprint anymore. It is back to the grind. It's back to the, the, the marathon. And all you have to do is build that foundation. And if I'm the least right now, I'm focusing mainly on let's play more physical. Let's play better defensively. Um, their power plays looked okay. Their draws have been better. Uh, cash has looked really good. Uh, Kempf has looked good. Like, all these and buntings look good too. Like all of these extra pieces that you've added in the offseason to fill some gaps. That's what's important. Building that up, building cohesiveness. I don't give two shits if they win 90% of their games in the first 20 games, because I'll tell you what, winning 90% of your games in the first 20 does not get you past the first round. You know what gets you past the first round? Grinding in the corners, putting shots on net, playing defensive hockey, playing responsible hockey, things the Leafs are not used to. If it takes them 25 games to get to that point, 50 games to get to that point, and they sneak into the playoffs, that's what I'm looking for. I don't need the fluff. I don't need the exceptional, dazzling goals. That's where I'm at. So I just want to touch on one more thing in the NHL that you kind of touched on there a little bit. Is it not super concerning that we have the Leafs who can't call up a goalie because of cap restraints already? Colorado had to dress 19 players the other day instead of 20 because of cap restraints. Is this not an issue at all that these teams are that tight to the cap that if they have somebody, even like Matthews, who's missing a couple games, it just kills their cap situation. And they're in trouble already, both teams who... There sounds like there's multiple games this year where both teams are going to have to dress less players than 20 just to get through the year under the cap. Yes, it's a concern. I think it's ridiculous, frankly. And like you could argue and say, well, you need to be better cap managed. That's not the point, though. The point is, is on the short term, like you can't call up an AHL goalie because of cap. That's stupid. Like you're actually making teams make decisions that could put other people at risk. I think that's what more I'm going to. You could put that back on the team and say you got to manage your cap better. But I just think that there has to be a little bit more flexibility when it comes to that emergency role, whether it's goaltenders or whether it's not or whatever you got to do. Like I understand being strict when it comes to you have uh, seven defensemen and 12 forwards. You have 19 guys. Um you can't be over the cap for those games. But if a guy's out or scratch, like he's not playing the game. If you can't call up an AHL goalie, a professional goalie, and you have to put 
a David Ayers or a uh, or a or his name Bishop, the kid, the kid from University of Toronto. Like, if you have to put these guys on the bench, like I get that it's a cool story. The David Ayers thing was cool. That's all fine and dandy until one of these guys gets hurt. And then is like, is that what it's going to take to then change this 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 hard cap situation? Like, and I'm not asking for a lot. It would just make more sense just to have a little bit of flexibility so that if you're in that situation, you're not putting people who are not ready for the job at risk. Yeah, I mean, this just goes back to the teams. And I mean, there's probably seven teams in the NHL this season who are in the situation where every single day they are technically over the cap. So that's why they get into these situations. If they have one slight injury, they're over the cap already before that. So they can't call anybody up. If they were under the cap or at the cap, they'd be able to call people up. So I know, yeah, you're talking about one of these guys getting injured. The David Ayers situation is different because that was two goalies getting injured on the same team. So that's going to happen still. You can't have three goalies dressed for the same team. That needs fair. to be yep. an emergency backup. But in a situation like this, this is all in Toronto. They're over the cap already. They're on a day-to-day basis trying to manage the cap. You're going to see guys like Sandine not be able to play certain games because it'll put them over the cap. Nick Robertson, if he gets called up and down, he's going to have to sit out certain games so his bonuses don't hit over the cap. This is the issue with Colorado as well. Like You have these Bowen Byrams, these young guys, who their bonuses are going to put them over the cap any second. This is what you did by signing players in the offseason season. This is what you kind of need to manage. And you've seen teams like Chicago get in tons of trouble. And so really the onus comes back to the team. Yep. And I know it's unfortunate the way it works, but the team should just be under the cap before the year. But it's just it's definitely an issue long term that it sounds like we're gonna have teams dressing one less skater every game because you're still gonna want to dress two goalies. So you're going to have to dress one less defenseman or forward every game, which I get. Like, I, I understand that whole aspect of it. Like, don't get me wrong. I understand that it's the, the onus is on the team, but like, you also have to remember too, is like the fact that we're talking about the cap on a day-to-day basis is nuts. Like every game has a certain effect on the cap. And if you have a certain amount out of the cap, then later on in the season, you can be a little like the whole semantics of the whole thing is stupid. In my opinion, like in my opinion, I think that's dumb. Like, if you're going to have the hard cap, just say, hey, here's what you've got. If a guy gets hurt, then his number's off the cap. Like, I don't get how this, like, I don't get the why it's why it's a day-to-day uh, add-up, subtract. Like, it just is so complicated. Like, I cannot imagine any other league is like this, right? Like, it's just, it's, and, and the other thing is, too, is, right, the whole purpose of the salary cap is so that teams cannot have like pay whoever they want and build dynasty teams. And it really makes more parity in the league. That's the whole point, right? Like, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. That is the purpose of what the salary cap is for. And when it gets away from that, right? Where you're like, Oh, you can't have Joe blow. Who's making 700 K. Cause you're 50, 500 K over the cap. And you need to call up a University of Toronto kid. Like it, it does. It's not in the spirit of the cap, I guess you could say. I don't know. Like I, it's, and I get what you're gonna say. It's like, well, then you sign too many guys to big contracts. Like I get that, but that's not really what it is. Like you still got 19 guys on there. Like it's, it. I don't know. It's, it's such a complicated thing. And like the fact that we have to talk about the cap as much as we do. And by the way, seeing Nikita Kucherov might require surgery again. I might have to go on the IR for the next six months. Guess when he's coming back for? 
guess. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, you're going to go off on the playoffs, but we all know, we all know exactly what they're fucking like. Honestly, like, how is this? Like, this is another conversation. How is this shocking to anybody that they're like, and I get Kucherov. Well, he wants to play a game, blah, blah, blah. He's going to come back for the last month. He's going to come back right at the, right after the trade deadline. When, or he's going to come back for the playoffs when there's no salary cap. And all of a sudden Tampa's going to be loaded again. And it's so fucking coincidental every single year i it drives me nuts yeah i mean the whole point of having this cap the way it is is if a guy goes on ir his cap does come off for a guy like matthews who doesn't want to miss two weeks he's not going to go on ir so his cap doesn't come off so it avoids player teams signing too many players and doing what the nba does and load management is the term they use where if you just went into each game with your 80 whatever million dollars and you could just rest guys here and there to stay under the cap, that's not how they want to do it because then you can kind of manipulate it even more, more like what Tampa does. So that's why you have this cap with out guys going on IR and they're really just resting where they're not going to be out two weeks. You need to stay under the cap. So that's where Toronto gets in trouble. And you got to understand that on the 23 man roster where it does make sense if you look at it from a broader point. But that's where teams like Colorado and Toronto have got themselves in a lot of trouble. And it's not going to get any better than Colorado. For Toronto, it probably will get better because they're just going to have to move on from some of these contracts. But it's just a mess. But you got to understand, again, the entire reason there's salary cap in any league is for parity. That's what Toronto, or that's what the NHL is doing huge. And it works. That's why you see eight seeds in the playoffs make a run and go to the cup. That's why there's parity. That's why there's a salary cap. And it's just all this manipulation has gone too far. And now you might see it from Tampa again. You're seeing it from Colorado. You're seeing it from Toronto. You're seeing it from all these teams who have high paid players. So what do you do about it? I'm really not sure because it happens with probably 75% of the teams in the league. Which, again, if it's that many teams, then it's is it the teams or is it the salary cap? Like, again, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole. Like, we've already gone too far down the salary cap rabbit hole. was not on the schedule, but it is what it is. We talk about what we want to talk about. Uh, last thing, the, the NBA season kicks off this week. Um, the Raptors are facing Washington at home for the first time at the Scotiabank Arena in nearly two years, year and a half. Um, not what I want to talk about, though. I want to talk about Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers. I have an opinion on this whole matter. So if anybody doesn't know, Ben Simmons got kicked out of practice this morning for not wanting to participate in drills. Apparently Doc Rivers asked him to participate in a defensive drill. He said no. He asked him again. He said no. Doc Rivers kicked him out. The Philadelphia 76ers suspended him one game for conduct detrimental to the team. So... I'm going to give my opinion. I'll get your reaction to it. This dude signed a five-year, $170 million contract in 2019. Okay? He got pissed off for whatever reason, demanded a trade, and has been a little bitch ever since his trade. He hasn't got traded. And Philly to their credit wants like they want these they've explored trades but they want good return for him because they think that he's a stud and simmons has been an all-star this guy is this he's a really good player and and so yeah the philly philly wants some haul for him and he's not getting traded so now he's being a little bitch like i'm sorry 
If you signed a five-year deal worth $170 million, I don't care where you play, what you play, what league you play in. You sign that kind of deal, you play the damn game. Hell, if we showed up to any of our jobs or any regular job where it was $20 an hour, and you're like, yeah, I'm not playing because I don't want to work here. I'm not working because I don't want to work here. They're going to fire you in about two seconds. And they can't do it in the NBA, obviously. But to me, this is the most ridiculous, whiny, crybaby crap that I've ever seen out of, a, out of a professional athlete in a long, long time. This is nuts. He's got a, like, you signed the deal. You signed a contract to play for them. I know you want to trade, but then put your big boy pants on and go out and make your uh, $30 million a year. Your $28 million a year. Like, by being this little bit, <coughs> excuse me, by being this little bitch, you're you're like you're hurting your <laughs> yourself. Yeah, I mean you can go off on this tangent, but this is the NBA. This isn't new with the NBA. James Harden did it. I mean, really, LeBron James, Chris Bosh did this. They get to do what they want when they want. This is a players' league. This isn't an owners' league. This isn't a general manager's league. This is the NBA. This is what they do all the time. They get to go where they want, when they want. They get paid what they want, which is ridiculous. It's yep. stupid. Ben Simmons is the best player in the NBA who cannot shoot. He cannot shoot. And what has the NBA gone to? Shooting. Shooting. This guy, I actually might be able to shoot better than Ben Simmons. He does everything else in basketball a billion times better than me. But the guy can't shoot. He's a problem guy. But, I mean, there's a thousand of those in the NBA. There are so many problem players who are skilled in the NBA, but he also can't shoot. Who wants to pay a lot of money for a guy who's not adjusting to the new style of NBA who's also a problem? He isn't James Harden. James Harden can put up 40 points every game, so teams are still going to want him. Ben Simmons, what is he? He's a guy who can't shoot. If he can't get to the rim, he's done. I don't understand how he can be like this, but this is the NBA. This is what these guys do. They think they're bigger than the game. They think they're bigger than the organizations. And the thing is, the NBA keeps letting them be. So why is it not going to keep happening? If you can make this amount of money and do whatever the hell you want, keep doing it. Until somebody stops one of these guys, it's going to keep happening. Well, and you're right. Like, it's, it's, yeah, this has happened a lot of times. It's more so the fact that I just, it's another, another example of this. Like, Kyrie is doing kind of the same thing. Like, I hope these guys know that if everybody does this, this league cannot continue. Like, I, I just don't understand the entitlement here. Like, as much as you're getting paid, you want to make a stand on this, a stand on that. Like, I get it. This is what you want to do. But at the same time, like, this is not helping yourself. Like, you know, even if you get traded, another team is going to look at your past history and be like, uh, well, we're not giving you a five-year five deal because – you're going to want to leave after a year. Like if something doesn't go right, you're going to leave. Like you're hurting yourself. And just su so anyway, suck it up, play. It's ridiculous. You're making too much money for that. People would kill to make that much money. And uh, yeah, cry baby of the week award goes to Ben Simmons. Cam, do you, I know you don't probably want to, but we do have to talk about our NFL picks. Are you ready for that? Yeah, I am as ready as I'll ever be, Burke. Well, let's go ahead and do it then. It's the over six NFL picks week six recap. We're going to go over. We 
did all the games, our analysis, and reactions to the games. And it was not a pretty week for the boys of the Old Six Sports Podcast and for really anybody. Let's start it off right now. Yeah, so moving into the Thursday nighter, we have Tampa Bay heading to Philly. Tampa Bay laying seven points. Score was 28-22. My only takeaway from this game is Sirianni must have had Philly covering. You're down two touchdowns, you get a touchdown, and you go for two. You're down 14, and you go for two just to get the cover at seven. I didn't hate it. Sirianni must have had a ton of money on it. I mean... Maybe that's the only thing he's good at as a coach because I'm learning in a hurry he's not a good coach. He doesn't want to use Sanders. He doesn't want to use Gainwell, even though they're playing really well. Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball. He can rush. He's a great rusher, and he's fine for fantasy football, but he is not a good quarterback. And really this game wasn't in doubt other than Philly backdoor covered for no reason. See, I like the Philly backdoor cover. I had Philly plus seven. See them go for two, I was pumped. And then, you know, the Bucks had the ball in the Eagles' territory late in the game and took a knee, and I was like, thank God that they did not, like, Arians did not kick a field goal just out of spite. They just, they were smart football, just dealt with it, you know, got a first down, took a knee, got the dub, but did not get the cover. I was cool with that. No doubt about it. I mean, yeah, talk about Jalen Hurts. I mean, look at his arm. He's 12 for 26, uh, passing. He was 159 yards total, three touchdown passes, one interception. His passer rating was garbage, 55.8 passer rating. The guy doesn't pass. He's 12 for 26 for 115 yards and one touchdown, one interception. He doesn't throw the ball. We talk about Lamar being RB1. Jalen Hurts is RB1. He's not a good thrower one bit. So, Sean Green, if you're listening... Your quarterback isn't any better than ours, so stop chirping Tua. I was going to get to that uh, just a little bit later, but hey, there it is from the Turf King. Shout out. Um, a couple of fun facts. So f- first thing is is that uh, Tom Brady's 10-1 in 11 career starts on three days rest. So that's pretty cool. I like that. And the second thing is the Eagles have started 0-3 at home for the first time since 2013. Poor Eagles. What are you going to do? They made it a game, though. So, I mean, that's all I asked for. I have the Eagles to cover. Can't complain. I like it. I'm good with it. Yeah, and I've just got to start fading Tom Brady in prime time. He is 0-11 in his last 11, covering the spread in prime time. Ooh, and prime time being what? Sunday night, Monday, Monday and Thursday? Correct. There you go. That's pretty terrible. He's only yes. played 11 games in prime time? <laughs> the last time? 11. Oh, he's the last 11. More. Oh, okay. The last 11. Okay, last he's 11. All right, all right. I'm good with that. Since, That's crazy, since he's, go- since he's gone to Tampa, he hasn't covered once. So there's two universal truths. The first being that the Chiefs don't cover other than last week. And the second being that Tom Brady does not cover in prime time. I like it. Let's go to the next game. Yeah, moving across the pond, we had the London game. Miami oh, heading... Heading to Jacksonville. I mean, it wasn't against Jacksonville or in Jacksonville. Miami was laying three and a half. And, and they I mean, should have a, covered. This was a kicking game. Miami was 0 for 1 from over 50. Jacksonville 2 for 2 over 50. Just, I mean, you take away 
two of the top three receivers, the top three corners for a team, they're going to struggle, even against Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a capable offense. Trevor Lawrence was a generational talent. Marvin Jones is decent. Visca Chano is decent. So their defense was okay. They just got to score more in their chances. Tua looked okay, but penalties in the red zone and deep cost them. I don't really know what to say too much. Jason Sanders missed the kick he needed to hit. And the rookie, or not rookie, the young guy for Jacksonville hit two massive field goals. So Which he hadn't hit any all game. year. He was terrible for the first five weeks of the year. So here's the thing, Cam. There's a couple things I want to dive into here. First of all, um, they should have won this game. Miami should have won this game. And they should have covered. No doubt about it in my mind. They played well enough, especially in the first three quarters, to win. There was extremely questionable coaching calls. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I want to touch on that last play of the game or the second last play of the game. Brian Flores, I I keep talking him up. I keep talking Brian Flores is a good coach. He got outcoached by Urban Meyer. Terrible. That That last play is a defensive coach. You can't give up. They go in Hail Mary formation. All they needed was 10 and to get the time. You have to tell your defense not to touch the guy. Let the time run out. They got the first down. Miami touches them with one second left. Questionable clock stoppage, but still, your defense, it shouldn't even be questionable or give the clock manager time there. Don't touch the guy. The game's over. That's terrible coaching. Terrible coaching decisions. Terrible defense on that last play. For a defensive coach, for a guy who I thought was a good coach, you can't get out coached by Urban Meyer late in the game and lose it. You well, just can't do it. No, and not only that too. I mean, later in the like late in the game, they had a fourth and one, and they decided to. So they brought out Tua. Jacoby Brissett is the is the fourth down guy because he's going to sneak it. Tua is not rushing now with the ribs, right? Like everybody in the entire world knew Tua wasn't going to rush it. So the only option in that situation is they're going to run it. So they stack the box and they get him. And there was no RPO, no nothing. Like, I couldn't believe that call. Um, you, like, you, you turn the ball over midfield late in the game. Like, it's just it's just such a stupid thing where, you know, you, th- there's no reason to do it. Just it's terrible calls. And, like, you – like, there's I mean, so I'm not going to – No, I'm going to nitpick that. No, 75% of the time in the NFL this year, that is the play. That is the play along all coaches. So we can get angry at everybody. Brandon Staley for the Chargers, who's a really good coach. Everyone has him as a top coach this year, has a chance for coach of the year. He did it three times this past game. Austin Eckler is not known as a great between the tackles t- runner either. So you can get on the play, but yeah, I mean, the big thing is, is not having Brissett in there. Yeah. Brissett, what was Brissett really good at for the Colts? One thing, short yardage Brissett. That was it. So that's the only question mark, but doing like, Running through, trying to run through the tackles with your running back, 75% of the teams do that. That's not a shocking play. I know it's stupid because teams do it, but you can't really get on the OC or Brian Flores for that because that's what the NFL does. That's fair. Except for, like, why is that? I, I, I get it. I get that that's what everybody does. But, like, read the room. It's not like two is completely healthy and going to run it himself. Like, they, like the Jags know he's not going to run it. So there's only one other option. Right, unless he pulls it out, which they did not do effectively. Shout out to Jacoby Brissett, by the way. He did have a really big completion in that game in the first half. Um, was like a short yardage play, 
pulled it out, hucked it down the field. I loved it. Gasecki had a big game. Um, Waddle had yeah, I mean, a Waddle had a big game. Like honestly, they they probably deserve to win this game. Lack of focus, bad coaching, and lack of execution down the stretch cost them this game, and it's inexcusable. And I tweeted that out. It is inexcusable the way they lost that game. Uh, Jacksonville wins their first game in 21 games. That cannot happen. I don't care how bad you are or what you are. You're a 10 team win last year. I get that you had corners that were hurt. I get you had other players that were hurt. You had no wide receivers. You had no corners. But you cannot lose that game. You had that game. I watched it on the TV, watching this thing, like watching it in front of my eyeballs, looking at it like, how are we going to blow this game? And they did it. I can't, I couldn't believe it. Like it was just, it, it, it was like, it was literally like I, I for a moment had a glimpse into what my uh, Atlanta Falcons fans feel. This impending doom knowing that they're going to lose this game. There's just no reason that game shouldn't have gone to overtime. If they lose the coin flip and it's over that way, great. So be it. But there's no way they shouldn't have lost that game. It shouldn't have gone to overtime. There's no reason it shouldn't have, and that's just bad coaching. Are we ready to move along, Burke? I got one more thing, then I'm done. On terms of the sending it to overtime thing, and all the play you're talking about the not touch them thing, yeah, that's all fine and nanny. You're right. If he gets to overtime, Miami's going to first force a turnover. Miami's defense, shout out, actually played well this game. For what they had, they played well. That's all I really got to say about it because I I just I chirped them a couple weeks ago, last week, whatever it was, and this week they actually played well. Had had you know forced a couple turnovers. They did decent enough with the pieces that they had. That's all I got to say. We'll see what happens next week. Yeah, they bailed Tua out on his one horrible throw all game. Yep. And the big thing is, is Noah Igmanogany is not good enough as a corner. And that's what happens. He's young. A couple. Yeah. So He's young. He's moving, a young guy. Moving along, we had Cincy heading to Detroit. Cincy laying three and a half. And this wasn't a game. And, I mean, I just thought they'd bounce back after Dan Campbell was crying and after the game, Dan Campbell, I think, came to a realization what we all did. Jared Goff sucks. Jared Goff sucks. You know what's bad? When Dan Campbell, who looks like he'd fight for anybody on his own team, he'd bite kneecaps off for his own teammates. Twice. Calls out, calls out Jared Goff after He's the gotta game. He's got to be better. There's more to give. Like, come on. We are, yeah. Yeah. I don't have much else to say about this game. I thought they'd be there more for him, but yeah, Jared Goff wasn't good enough. I don't think the this Bengals was... played that good, by the way. No, the Bengals are still kind of this mediocre team to me with a ceiling, like or with upside. Like they're kind of an average team who has upside every week to week. But yeah, I mean, this is a game that Detroit should have kept way closer. They've kept way better teams close, Baltimore, Green Bay. This shouldn't have been this kind of game, but Jared Goff isn't good, which we all knew. He missed Hawkinson on a couple wide open passes, but the Spangle team seems to get it done in some of these games, and they're off to an okay start, four and two. I'm good with it. I got the cover on that. I had no faith in Detroit. Tee it up. We had KC heading to Washington. KC laying seven, and they covered. Yes, they did. Cam hit his lock. We already covered that. Uh, we were both on KC to cover this game. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Washington kind of made it a game to start. It was 13-10 to 10 Washington at halftime. Yeah, they they look good. Patch, 
Patrick Mahomes looks like this year he's trying to do his best Jameis Winston impression and trying to go for 30 and 30 or 40 and 40. Like, he is awful. Like, I know he had like 400 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. He's just making horrible decisions with the ball. They are leading the league in turnovers. Leading the league in turnovers offensively. Like, that's not good for this offense that everyone thought was going to be unbelievable. And you could say, oh, yeah, they're covering Tyreek and they're tying Kelsey. If you watch these games, it's literally just Mahomes making horrible decisions. There was one ter- There was one play that sticks out in my mind where he's about to get sacked and he just hucks the ball up in the air for no reason. There's nobody around and gets picked off and, like, it goes up. Like, like, like me hitting a golf ball with my driver. It goes, like, 10 feet. Up in the air. And it yeah, gets and picked just, off easy. That's what we've seen from Jameis Winston for years. Yeah. It's that like, exact same thing. It's, oh, I don't want to take a sack, so I'm just going to throw this ball. And we've even seen it from Jameis this year. Callaway's got touchdowns on a couple of those. But, I mean, you'd expect better from Mahomes. And, I mean, they got it done in this game. Washington's not good. Heineke, I thought, would be better this game and be able to take advantage, and he didn't. So It was, yeah. Anyway, they covered um i didn't pick them in a survivor pool this week it was all fine and dandy they they did help me out with a nice parlay hit uh i was worried about that briefly they got the job done they covered uh but they did show cam why they don't cover for those turnovers and this bat the defense played okay henneke sucks that washington team is garbage but they show why they don't cover yeah so moving along to a game we're not going to be allowed to talk about Minnesota heading to Carolina. Minnesota was favored by one point here. I mean, neither team really wanted to win this game. Minnesota got it done in overtime. Just kind of a messy game. My biggest takeaway is Sam Darnold was much better than the stats here. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson couldn't catch the ball. They just kept dropping it. That's what ended up the biggest difference in the game. And Carolina just, not even if C-Max having massive games, he's just such a distraction. It allows DJ Moore to open up way more. And this team's just much better with C-Max is. I mean, any team would. But uh, I don't think we're allowed to touch much more on this game. Sorry, Nate. Well, I'm allowed to touch on it because I'm not the kiss of death. So C-Max out for another three weeks, which is a fantasy killer. I hate it so much. Never taking him again. Um. I had watched, or sorry, I had Minnesota in this game, and one of the things we talked about was like the line was close, which it ended up being close. Um, could have gone either way, and McGaffrey didn't play, so I think I was on the right side of that line. Uh, you took the Panthers, so again, the kiss of death. Nate's gonna hate you for it, but it is what it is. Um, but it's one of those things where. Like, again, as I said, it could have gone either way. And Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, and the Vikings D actually look competent. I will give them that. I did start the Vikings D in fantasy this week on a flex spot, and they looked okay. I, I, I'm i not convinced, though, on this Vikings team. I'm sure you are not either. Um, Delvin had a, had a decent game. Um, Jefferson did nothing. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this Viking team's team progresses obviously they've got a few dubs under their belt uh this year but i'm not sold to me this game doesn't move the needle one way or the other for the panthers and doesn't move the needle for the vikings i I, my opinion of both teams kind of stays the same yeah i mean 
yeah, I don't really know what either team is. Zimmer is a good coordinator. He's going to figure out this defense. He's going to, or this coach, he's going to figure out this defense. And I thought they'd be better than they were early. This game just, again, both teams didn't seem to really want to win this. I will give some credit to the Canadian. Chuba Hubbard looked pretty good for a second week in a row. I mean, he's no C-Mac, but he's looked pretty productive the last two weeks. Yeah, and fantasy filling for me. I spent a lot of fab on him, so he's got to be good. Anyway, moving in. Yeah, heading to Indy now. Houston heading to Indy. Nine and a half points. Indy was favored by. This wasn't even a game. We fucked this one up. Three. We fucked this one up. We had way too much faith in Davis Mills, didn't we? I think you can only take Houston at home. On the road, they are just horrible. Like, they're not good one bit. Carson Wentz has looked decent. He's been really efficient the last two weeks. Jonathan Taylor, though. 14 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, this guy is, if you do a redraft right now, he's arguably the number one overall pick. I mean, Derrick Henry's probably going there. But Jonathan Taylor is probably a top three pick right now. And imagine trading him for DeAndre Hopkins. Yo, okay. First of all, trade looked real good to start the year. And then after that, it didn't look so good. So it's been regrettable, but it is what it is. You make decisions. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on that for very long because, like, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's like – so one said, Texans have lost six of their last seven versus the Colts. Okay, we knew the Colts were going to win. Um, I didn't think that was shocking. What I did find shocking was that the Texans did not cover. Um, they've covered a lot, but this is getting back to the, the, you look at the Texans in the last five weeks or four weeks, they've only put up like, what is it? 48 points or something like that in the last five weeks. They put up 22 versus the Pats last week. And we were like, oh yeah, this Texans team isn't bad. Forgetting that they put up 11, six, zero the weeks before. I wasn't really forgetting this. I just thought Indy has zero corners. So Davis Mills, Brandon Cooks was going to find a way to score 18 points. Indy's offense, I didn't think was going to be this good. I thought it was going to be like a 25-18 game, which Houston covers easily. Nine and a half, I just thought was too many points. But Davis Mills couldn't get it done against no corners. And Indy's offense is looking better than I thought they were. So that's the really big difference. Does this move Indianapolis up? the chart for you just in terms of your faith in the team. Yeah. I mean, you have to feel a little confident about them. Their division's weak overall is what we thought, but I mean, the Titans look better than we thought they were. So I'm confused about them too. So like, I know it's Carson Wentz. Like, I think that's the big thing. Like, let me ask you this. If the, the Colts had anybody else other than Carson Wentz, would you feel better about them as a team? No, I mean, I'd feel similar, to be honest, if Philip Rivers was still there because the guy looked like Ben Roethlisberger or Matt <laughs> Ryan, where they just can't throw anymore. Oh, so at God. least you get the you get the upside with Carson Wentz. Yeah. He can throw it. He can rush around a bit. But his, his downside is really low, too. But I think the upside's there. Frank Reich is a good coach. I think this team can figure it out a little bit. I'm still kind of curious why Marlon Mack is still getting carries every single game. But that's a whole other story. But, uh, yeah, I think Indy has to move up a little bit, and I'm feeling a little better about them. And bad about Houston. Yeah. I mean, not as bad as this next team. The next game, we had the L.A. Rams heading to the New York Giants. Oof. Ten and a half. We both took the ten and a half, and it wasn't even close. And ten and a half's a lot. 
38-11. And I mean, <laughs> oh. at the end of the first quarter, you thought maybe, like, the Giants were up 3 nothing, And then no. And, and then it was 38 straight points until they got 8 points at the end of the game for no reason. Like, Giants are up 3-0. Why? Then, go ahead. Why are you taking a touchdown at the end of the game and then going for two? You're down, like... <laughs> A billion. Like, this isn't a game anymore. Nobody for the Rams is even playing anymore. Stafford, Cup, Woods are all out of the game. Why are you trying to go for two on The spread, bro. The spread. It was ten and a half. This one made even less sense than the Philly game. (laughs) Are you just trying to practice your two-point conversion offense? It must be, man. Oh God, the Giants didn't even. But like we knew this was gonna happen. I mean, I and and what's crazy is is that we took the number assuming that Danny Dimes wasn't gonna be playing, right? Like we didn't think that Daniel Jones would be playing this game. He he did play this game. Uh, Tony got injured early, which is a killer. Um, I mean, could Mike Glennon be any worse than Danny Dimes? Two hundred forty-two yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. No, um, 51, 51 attempts. Probably not. So, Probably not, but still, like it's one of those things where you're like, we we picked it and we're like, ah, yeah, I know Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes comes in, does nothing, but three nothing, then thirty eight straight. Like, oh man, it was it was like this is exactly what we expected to happen. Survivor pool that I'm in, ninety percent of the picks were on the Rams that week. I did not pick the Rams because it was so chalky, and they're gonna have another easy spot at some point. But that was one that was an automatic move on to next week. You don't even need to watch the game. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Yeah, Giants are looking bad. They are looking bad. My only question for you out of this game is, where does Cooper Cup now rank on your wide receivers for fantasy through the end of the season? Is he number one? Um, yeah, Yeah, he probably is. He's up there. I mean... We'll see what happens the next ten weeks, but at at this moment, he's he's wr one. I mean, like even wr one one. Even if in a game where they blow out an opponent, he's still getting twelve targets. I mean, he went off for nine receptions, hundred and thirty yards, two touchdowns, and you're just seeing it like it's just unbelievable. He's getting open. He's getting the yards after the catch. He's doing everything you want in a wide receiver one. He's getting red zone targets. It's crazy. I mean, I thought Woods was going to be the guy from this rotation who was going to step up this year with Stafford, but clearly Cooper Cup and uh, Matthew Stafford's breakfasts have worked out well. And he, yeah, no kidding. Those breakfasts must be chill. Um, he definitely looks like you're, he's not going to get overpassed next year. Like he won't be as low as he was this year. There's definitely some other guys on the wide receiver train whose stocks going to go down. Lockett, Diggs. Um, Hopkins, some of those guys, like he's way past all those guys. So we'll see what's going to happen. What do we got next? Yep. Moving along. I think the most surprising game of the week, we had the LA chargers heading to Baltimore, Baltimore laying three. We thought this was the wrong line. Yeah. The wrong way. I mean, this probably was the wrong line, but not the wrong way. 34 to six. Yeah. But I, I stand by it. I still think it was the wrong line, frankly. I just don't think the Chargers showed up. Like, I think if you replay this game later on in the season, I think that you're probably going to get the result that we thought. But, like, everything went wrong for the Chargers. Um, the Ravens, D, to their credit, blitzed the shit out of Justin Herbert. And it yeah, was I mean, successful. That's, a, that's the big takeaway from this game, and that's got to be the strategy going against Herbert more. 
I mean, Baltimore is the number one blitzing team in the NFL. Justin Herbert takes too long to let go of the ball. I mean, he's not as bad as Justin Fields, but he's bad. He takes too long to process the plays. I mean, he has unbelievable players around him, Eckler, Williams, and Keenan Allen. Williams, who got injured partially in this game. Brandon Staley making some really crazy going fourth down in his own end. I think the one was on the 29-yard line in his own zone. If you don't get that, you're going to put your game in trouble. Lamar didn't even have to do anything is the craziest thing. They just, their defense played remarkable, confused Herbert a lot. And you kind of saw some regression from Herbert. I mean, he's still a phenomenal quarterback and he's looked great, but this is kind of some of the downside you saw from him and what he could be And Baltimore kind of really relished that and took advantage of it. I just think you have to be careful if you're a defense against the chargers, because if everybody starts blitzing him, you know what you know what he's gonna do, right? He's gonna go underneath the Keenan Allen for big for 10, 15 yards at a time. Like this is one of those games where like I think it's a one-off in the sense where like he got the shit blitzed out of him and he's like, oh fuck, I don't know what to do here. And he held the ball way too long. And they're gonna look back at this. The quarterback coach is gonna be like, hey man, you held the ball way too long here. When you see these guys come in, you're dumping this shit off. Like and I, I think they will bounce back from this. Um, again, I, I do believe the line was wrong. I still think the Chargers plus three was the play. I stand by it. It was my lock this week. I know I didn't hit it. Um, but it is what it is. Like, that's um, – I, I don't really think we should dive too deep into it because I, they just didn't show up to play. And sometimes teams don't show up to play. And this, this one bit me in the ass. Yeah, we'll move along to the next game. And I mean, I only got one, one, one saying, I guess, to start this game. And we were both way wrong. It's, I fucking own you. I own you. Why didn't we take this line? We should have. Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. And the fans. We took, yeah. We took Chicago getting four and a half and Green Bay won 24-14. And as Aaron Rodgers wanted to say to that woman, giving him the two birds in the end zone, he owns them. And... I mean, hard to argue. He does own them. And that's really all I got to take away from this game. Justin Fields still doesn't look good. This guy takes too long to process. As we hear from the SGP guys, he's not good on the whiteboard. He's not good on that stuff. He struggles. He takes too long to hold on the ball. And really, he just doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. I mean, I didn't really... I know a lot of people were high on Ohio State. I didn't like what I saw. I mean, he got it done in some games, but... He doesn't look like an NFL quarterback one bit. And Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. Well, I think that the thought process that we had for this game still holds true, frankly. Um, I did think that the Chicago D was decent, right? Like they kept the they kept the Packers to only 24 points. Um, the big thing is they only scored 14, and Green Bay's defense is not that good, right? They're, they're just, they just aren't. So that goes to the point you're making about fields and that offense. Like uh, there, that there's a struggle there, no doubt. Um, but he, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers owns the bears and this is something we should have looked at No, but like, we never questioned the money line. Like this was my survivor pick. The money line. I don't think it was ever in doubt. I didn't think the the, the Packers were going to lose, but I thought the bears would cover and they were, you know, six points off or whatever, six like that's that's a touchdown, right? So if you have a a competent quarterback there, like you're probably gonna cover. You're probably still gonna lose, but you're gonna keep it close. Um, 
it is what it is. I don't know. I just, uh, as I said, like we had a couple of these picks where we we said, and I remember very vividly saying, looking like next week, looking back, these there's some picks that we could be like, why the hell did I take this this spot? And this is definitely one of them. Yeah, and moving along to another game here where, again, we were both wrong, but if you told me a team would be missing their wide receiver one, that they'd be missing their running back one, their running back two would get injured, their entire offensive line would be backups at one point in the game, I probably wouldn't take them to win or come close to winning. Are you talking about the New York Giants? We are talking about Arizona. Arizona went to Cleveland. Cleveland was laying two and a half points, finished 37-14. And, I mean, your quarterback's injured. Torn Labrum, he re-injured it again this game. No Chubb, Hunt left the game. No Jarvis Landry. The entire O-line at one point in the game was all backups. No team in the NFL is going to really be able to do well there. And Kyler Murray took advantage of this defense. This defense has been really good, and he found a way to take advantage. And I think a lot of it had to do with Cleveland's offense not being able to do what they do, which is run the ball, kill time on the clock, when you don't have anybody to run the ball and no offensive line, it's going to be tough to do that. But, uh, I mean, Arizona's 6-0 and now. we got to give them credit where credit's due. To me, they got to be on top of the power rankings, and they're the number one team in the NFL right now. Oh, no doubt. I'm, like, it does make sense to fade the team that's, you know, that was 5-0. and I think that's reasonable. But, like, Kyrie Murray had a nice bounce-back game. Um I mean, this is the first time that the Colonels have won six straight six straight games since 2015. Um, they were 13 to three that year, um, but the Browns gave away the ball a lot. Like I thought that the uh, the Cardinals' defense definitely was better than I thought they would, and maybe part of that is is that Baker wasn't fully healthy, and they just didn't have the options, so he was forcing into spots that he's not you know normally used to putting it. Um, I don't know. D Hop looked all right. I I just think like it's like the take of earlier where I thought the Browns were going to be a lot better than they like. I thought they were possibly Super Bowl bound. It's just getting killed with injuries here. This two headed monster that we talk about, Chubb Hunt, now is gone for the next four to six weeks because even if when Chubb comes back, Hunt's going to be out for the next half the rest of the season pretty well. Um, he might come back 12, 13, 14 for fantasy playoffs. That's about it. Um, like it's it's one of those things where that's gone, so like they need Landry to come back this week, or they're gonna they could slip really really quickly and get into a spot, especially if Baker misses time. Like I know that he's saying he's fine, it's not his throwing arm, whatever. But how many times can you take a separated sh- shoulder or a torn labrum or whatever it is, like re-injuring that over and over again? Like man, that's gotta just absolutely beat you up. So I'm worried for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, their O-line is a bigger deal here. Nick Chubb is still a top-five skilled running back by himself if he can have an okay O-line. But, yeah, injuries are killing this team. Baker is Baker. He's a capable quarterback, but he's not a game winner or anything. This team can't play from behind, and they got behind here. And just so many issues with this team. I mean, it's still Kareem Hunt's only out three weeks. It's just short-term IR, so they're hopeful. If rehab goes well, he'll be back. But we'll see. I mean, the Browns, if healthy, are still a Super Bowl contenders. It's whether they can get healthy or not. They still are a good enough team to take care of, even at half health, some of these weaker teams. Arizona's not a weaker team. They're one of the best teams in the NFL. So we got to give credit there. Yeah, I guess so. All right, what do we got next? Let's light it up. 
moving along, we had Vegas heading to Denver. Ugh. Denver was laying three and a half. We were both on that side. This is a game where I questioned so much. Is this going to be a letdown spot because of the John Gruden news, or are they going to go out be- and be super excited that Gruden's not there and ball out? And that's what they did. They played a way better game knowing Gruden's not there, and they were just much better than Denver was this entire game. And now you're seeing Denver was very fraudulent. Teddy Bridgewater trying to force the ball is not good. Three interceptions, three touchdowns, three interceptions. and The Jameis Winston spot. I still just don't know what to think of Vegas. I mean, maybe they're a good team. They looked really good to start the year. Now maybe without Gruden, they found new life. They get this offense going again. The running backs looked really good. They had a lot of good signs here. And this defense is really stepping up. This front line on them, Max Crosby, is having a great start to the year. And who knows? Vegas might be better than we think they are. Yeah, they might be. The one thing that I really like about this game, just looking at the uh, the offense for the Raiders, is you know Derek Carr's 18 for 27, not a great completion rating, but he threw for 341 yards, two touchdowns. And if you look at the receivers... Um, you know, the number one receiver was Ruggs with 97 yards and Edwards had 67, Waller at 59, uh, Kenyon Drake at 39, Renfro at 36, Jacob had said 29. Like these, like he spread the ball around. And I think that's really interesting to look at from a Raiders perspective where um, last year it was very much Waller centric. Like, and we both know, like from a fantasy perspective, Waller was very, very coveted early in fantasy drafts and has not produced this year thus far. Um, because Derek Carr is moving the ball. I mean, I feel like defenses are almost cheating to Waller a little bit and other guys are getting opportunities to catch the ball. And if, if they continue to do that and leave all those options open and spread the love, I think they're going to have some success. So, um, yeah, I don't know about the, the John Gruden effect, no doubt, but, um, the real question is, is, I mean, are the Broncos a fraudulent team at three and three? That's the real question. Not at three and three. When they were three and zero, oh, they were a fraudulent three and zero oh team. Three and three sounds about right. They're going to be right around that five hundred mark, I think. Overall, they could finish nine and eight. They could finish eight and nine. That sounds about right. Three and three sounds about right for these Denver Broncos. Three and zero, oh, they were fraudulent. Well, and we'll have to see what happens as the schedule goes along. Uh, definitely something to keep tabs on. I'm glad I got the Broncos out of my survivor picks out of the way. I. Uh... Not confident moving forward. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so moving along to the next game, we had Dallas heading to New England. Dallas laying four. They covered in overtime 35-29. They shouldn't have covered this game. They arguably shouldn't have won this game. There was some crazy plays in this. I mean, nothing beat it like that fourth quarter late. You had Trayvon Diggs pick six, and then the very next play, giving up an 80-yard touchdown. Oh, man. Diggs laid out for that, too. Trayvon Diggs is Xavier Howard. It's either boom or bust. He'll either get a pick and make a great play, or he'll give up a massive play the other way. That's just all he is. And, I mean, his stat line is going to look good because he's going to end up with a crazy amount of interceptions, a couple pick sixes, so that looks really good. But you don't see those plays where he gives up massive plays either. Nobody remembers those at the end of the year. So this was kind of Mac Jones looked actually decent here. He passed it when he needed to. But uh, Bill Belichick just kind of making weird conservative moves now a couple weeks in a row, or two out of the last three weeks. The Tampa game kicking it in the rain from way too far. This game just kind of not being very smart in overtime. Do you really want to give it to this Dallas offense in an okay spot, not try and get it there? It just 
some questionable coaching by Bill Belichick, which you don't see. Oh, it's that touchdown to CeeDee Lamb cost me a fantasy matchup this week, so that's cool. Um, the one thing that I will say about this, number one, the Cowboys are 6-0 and against the spread to start the year. 6-0. and The boys are covering. Stephen A. Smith has the Dallas Cowboys as his second-ranked team in the power rankings, the Arizona Cardinals number one. Cowboys number two, and Stephen A. Smith is a big Cowboys hater. Hater. He hates the Cowboys. So, but I mean... Stephen A. Smith is also not a very good, smart person to follow. So you're saying that over six sports is better than Stephen A. Smith? I think there's a lot of things better than Stephen A. Smith. He has some pretty hot takes. I think Dallas is a way higher than I thought they were, but they're not the second best team. To me, they're currently, not beating... it's a power ranking. It's like currently they are. No, no. No. They're not. No. They've lost a game, so there's a bunch of one-loss teams. Arizona's number one. I'd still take the Rams over them. I'd still take the Bills over them, even after this week. Okay, maybe not. But to me, the Rams are still ahead of the Cowboys. The Rams would beat... The, I think they're going to beat the Cowboys easily. And to me, there's still a couple of teams ahead of them. Yeah, Dallas has looked okay, but they're kind of, to me, almost a fraudulent 5-1. and one. I know they've covered every game and done it, but still, I don't know if they're that good. Did you see that before Monday night's game that Trayvon Diggs had more touchdowns than his brother? I did. <laughs> Trayvon Diggs, Stefan Diggs' brother, had one had a touchdown uh, Sunday night, had more total touchdowns than Stefan Diggs. I think that's hilarious as a defensive player. Just goes to show that Stefan this year has not had the year that he did last year. No doubt about that. And we're going to get to the Bills game in a few minutes here. Cam, let's hit the next one. Yeah, so we move along to the Sunday nighter. We had Seattle heading to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh laying five, and they just really didn't want to cover here. They won 23-20 in overtime. What a shit game that was. Yeah, I mean, this was horrible. Both offenses are just so bad. Geno Smith is so bad. Not good at all. All my Tyler Lockett shares are just gone down because Geno Smith is in there, and we have no Russ anymore. Pittsburgh D looked good. They got turnovers. I mean, makes it pretty easy to look good when you're against Geno Smith, but they still got the job done. Geno Smith is bad. Geno Smith is bad, bad, bad. And, like, there's no reason that the Steelers should not have covered here. Like, no reason at all other than Big Ben is not an NFL quarterback anymore. That's it. Like, if Big Ben's – like, if any other – if Davis Mills is the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, they would have covered. Imagine thinking three to five years ago that we'd still have Geno Smith in the league and no Cam Newton or Colin Kaepernick. Honestly, though. Like, it's just nuts. Like, I – it's just so frustrating, and I think this is like kind of the epitome of the whole week. Like the the one p.m. slate was super chalky; all the favorites basically won. And we try to, you know, you, you don't want to take chalk the whole time. And like I get that; like we look at all that stuff. But this is one of those games that, like, I was pretty confident about them covering with Geno Smith because he's bad. But he, here's the real thing: Cam is is like I know Geno Smith is bad. What does that say about Ben Roethlisberger that they only won by that many points? With the weapons that he has, Deontay Johnson, uh, Chase Claypool, like, like Ben Roethlisberger is just as bad as Geno Smith right now. Like, it's time this, to retire, dude. 
This isn't news. We knew it all along. Again, we've mentioned it on this podcast before that the only reason Mason Rudolph is in the NFL is because they know he's not good enough to take Ben Roethlisberger's job. They're setting it up to let Ben run into the side set on his own terms, and they shouldn't. But, I mean, they picked up Najee Harris. He's looked okay. Alex Collins looked good for Seattle, but it sounds like he's going to be out this week, so who knows? Just just not a good game, and I think that's all I want to touch on that game. Let's move on because this game sucked. I hate I hated that I spent as much time watching it as I did. So moving along, Monday Night Football, we had Buffalo heading to Tennessee. Tennessee, big upset here, 34-31. Derrick Henry, another three-touchdown game. He's a beast. And how do you stop Derrick Henry? Everyone's talking about how great this Bills D is, how they're just not allowing any points. I they saw just a, got ran over. Okay, there's two things I want to ask you. The first one is I saw a poll on the – so TSN put out a poll. Bardown put out a poll that was like, which one of these is the hardest things to do? Is it A, tackle Derrick Henry, B, hit a fastball off Arnoldus Chapman, C, cover McDavid one-on-one, or D, cover Kevin Durant one-on-one? Which one do you think you would have the – which one is the hardest to do? To me, it's Derek. Well, I mean, probably uh, Durant, just because I'm five foot nothing. But secondly, Derek <laughs> well, if you were if, if I had two. if I had any height to me, it would be Derrick Henry. But yeah, he you just you can't stop this guy. It's not even like he went for fifty carries this game. He had twenty carries, one hundred and forty three yards, three touchdowns. They beat the Bills without Ryan Tannehill having a th- passing touchdown. Yeah, no, he's a beast. I mean, by the way, to me, Arnoldus Chapman, there's no way I'm touching that ball. 102 miles an hour down the middle of the plate. No way I'm hitting that. Uh, but I have equal chance of, of like Connor McDavid, I could get a stick in there and, you know, maybe that would work. Uh, Durant, I might get lucky, get a finger on a, on a shot or whatever. Like, I might have a chance. Arnaldis and Derek Henry, there's no chance. Derek Henry would crush me. The second thing I want to ask you, this game ended in a crazy way. Titans up three points. Uh, Bill's... In the red zone late, about 20 seconds left. Uh, Josh Allen dies for the dives for the first down, doesn't get it on the third down. Questionable spot, doesn't matter. They line up. It's fourth and one. You're down three, 20 seconds left. Are you going for fourth down there and trying to get the win, or are you setting it to overtime? Knowing your team, I think I'd be like, with how good the offense is and how good the defense had been this year, the Bills, I would have kicked the field goal and trying to go to overtime. That's yeah. I mean, I I get the side of it where you're like, hey, if we don't lose, like if we lose, if we go to overtime, we lose the coin toss, and Derrick Henry goes nuts, we lose the game. So like, we have a chance to win it now. So why not? But I think the other side of that is is like, what if you win the coin toss, and Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Beasley and all them go down the field, Sanders, they go down the field and they win the game, like. I don't know. It, 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 it to me was just extremely questionable. I get it's fourth and one. Josh Allen slips on the QB sneak, and they and but like everybody knew that was what the play was going to be. He's a big dude. He's a powerful dude. It's an unfortunate circumstance. I don't know. I just I threw it out there. Some got Bills fan was like, yeah, you got to go to OT. And I see wisdom in that. I see wisdom on both sides. It's just really tough. I mean, it's so easy to say go to OT when. They didn't get the fourth and one. If you get the fourth and one, I bet you every Bills fan's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to go for the jugular. Go for the win. We had one timeout left. You know what I mean? 
Like it's the same question. I mean, it's even less of a percent chance of happening than going for two to win the game when you only need one to tie the game. Like this is even less of a percentage chance because even if you get the first down there, you're still only on the two with 20 seconds left. There's no guarantee you're going to score there still. It's not even like the two-point conversion where if you get it, you win. You don't, you lose. Like there's no guarantee here if they get the QB sneak and get the yard and get the first down that they're still going to score the touchdown there. So to me, I think you take your chances in overtime. Your defense has been really good all year. Your offense has been fantastic this all year. It was okay last night. I think you take your chances there, especially with the coin flip, and hope your defense can stop Derrick Henry. Like, I don't know. That's my opinion. It's a tough task, stopping Derrick Henry, no doubt about it. But, hey, it is what it is. This is what makes the NFL exciting. And, uh, unfortunately, the Bills did not cover. Cam, what was our records from last week? We did say in the podcast uh, description last week that you got to trust your gut, keep it simple, stupid, that it could be really bad or really good, and which one was it? It was not good either way. You did okay, six and eight. I was four and ten. I'm now sitting at forty-three percent. It just keeps going downhill here. Things are not looking good. You're at forty-eight percent, still covering around fifty, right around fifty. You're fifty percent on your locks, and I hit one. So I hit one through six weeks, up to seventeen percent. Seventeen percent is 17% better than zero. So that is good news. Um, this is going to be a bounce back week for us. It's definitely, uh, it's it's not a look ahead spot, no doubt about it. You got some teams that are on by this week again, some good teams that we don't have to pick, some sketchy teams we don't have to pick. So that's going to be exciting for us. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Cam, is there anything else you want to add before we sign it off? No, just looking forward to bouncing back. I know that's two weeks in a row I've said that, but one of these weeks it's going to come true. Hey, one of these weeks we're going to go on an absolute heater. I can't wait for it. Uh, for all of our stuff, you can follow us on Twitter at Over6Sports, at Over 6 and at C Charlton Turf. By the way, last thing I forgot to mention. We hit 1,000 downloads of the Over 6 Sports Podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our listeners and everybody who has downloaded an episode of this podcast. Uh, we're just two losers from Southern Ontario and Canada talking about sports and some stuff that we're passionate about uh, and just started it for fun. Dav, you know, a thousand instances where somebody made a conscious decision to go on to Spotify or Apple music or whatever the case is and click on our podcast we thank you very much right cam yeah thank you to everyone who's listened let's hope we can bring up those listens and get to 2000 faster than we got to 1000 hey we're gonna grind it out and you definitely should tune in moving forward because we're gonna have some fire content as always this is the Over Six Sports Podcast. I am Zach the Bandit Burke, and with me, the Turf King. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you on Thursday.